play for keeps, Cuddy. You ain't heard about the huddle fire with no with D Lane. We trying to get it off the muscle. Walters caught the pick and ran it back without a tussle. Blow the whistle, coach. Time to get back to the huddle. Welcome to the 510 Huddle. We back again. It's your host, Isaiah. We got D Lane. He's preparing for a bull game today. Uh, the Laney Eagles are going to take on Sierra College for a bowl game this Friday, I believe at 3 p.m. So you got some time. Check out D Lane coaching his DBs up. So again, another week. It's just me, y'all. Uh, no D Lane, but it's all right. And we're going to talk about a couple things today. The big news of Lincoln Riley, him heading out west to USC. We're going to touch a little bit on the 49ers and their win streak and and. And the expectations they have for this upcoming playoffs. Touch a little bit on the Raiders and a report that came out this week around Mark Davis and his coaching search and what he's doing there. And then we'll touch a little bit on what the Russ and Pete Carroll era, era is coming to. It looks like it might be ending, but we'll touch a little bit on that. Uh, and the last piece we'll rattle through uh, who's the best team in the NFL, right? I think this, this season. We're seeing a lot of different teams, highs and lows, but no one's truly dominating week in, week out. So we're going to dive into those topics today. I'm really excited, especially with this Lincoln Riley news. Let's start there. Lincoln Riley reportedly signed a $110 million deal, some perks in there, right? A a house that would be purchased for him in L.A. And to me, the coolest part of his contract or most useful is the 24-7 PJ Access. So Lincoln Riley, he gets to use USC's private jet for personal business whenever he wants. So if he wants to go to Cabo for the weekend in the PJ. The wife wants to go to New York just shopping for the week, take the PJ. And it shows you that USC, they're a big boy school, right? When, when Pete Carroll left with all the sanctions, they couldn't find a coach, right? They tried to go with Sark. He just can't coach. He could recruit, but can't coach. Then they were in the Helton era, try to clean up their image, right? A clean cut, soft-spoken guy. He just doesn't produce results, did not produce results. And recruiting wasn't hasn't been the same, right? Uh, we look right now, the top quarterbacks in the country are from Southern California. Bryce Young uh, over at Alabama, right? We have uh, Marcus Stroud, Ohio State. Uh, DJ over at Clemson. Those are three SoCal guys that are not in the Pac-12 or at SC, right? And again, they have a good quarterback now with Dart, but he's not the same or on those other three quarterbacks level. Uh, level. The day that Lincoln Riley, I'm um, recording this on a Wednesday, signed his contract with USC, they were able to get the number one recruit in the nation, uh, a number one recruit in California. A quarterback, uh, and he's already making making recruiting noise. I think he got two recruits, two five stars already decommitting. So he's making noise. And the impact of Lincoln Riley going to the SC is huge. Right? I'm personally right, I, I love the Pac-12. I'm Oregon Ducks fan. But the Pac-12 conference cannot be a dominant conference without SC rolling, right? Uh, at the SEC, they need Georgia. They need the Alabamas. They need the Floridas. Those schools have to be rolling, right? In the Big 12, they need Ohio State. They need Michigan, Penn State, Michigan State. Those schools need to be good. Without those schools, the conference does not hold the same weight. The conference is not the same. Even the ACC, 
right? If Clemson or Florida State is not humming, that conference isn't the same. And we're seeing that. Clemson this year isn't humming. And that conference is, we're not, we're not even looking at that conference the same this year, strictly because you uh, Clemson is not humming. But back to Lincoln Riley at SC, it's going to change the Pac-12. In-state recruits won't be leaving. And for the top recruits that are going to USC, other recruits are going to stay out west. Hey, do you want to come to Utah and be the be the guys that beat SC? Right? Or we always hear these stories, right? Uh, there's a receiver, uh, Chris Olave, that's Ohio State. It's like, yeah, I didn't even get offered by a West, west Coast school. Right? So more of those talents are going to stay out west. Right? Because the, all the recruiting eyes are going to be in California and out west. And I'm telling you right now, Lincoln Riley is building a gate around L.A. If you're a four or five star, you're getting an offer from SC, and you're more likely probably going to take that instead of going to the Oklahomas. Now, this is a piece I haven't heard talked about a lot. Aside from Lincoln Riley being a great recruiter, an X and O coach, right, a, a, a school where quarterbacks want to go or play for is Lincoln Riley, is the impact with players being able to get paid and endorsements. Why wouldn't you want to go to L.A.? And it made me think are some of these schools that are in small towns. Now, Alabama, their brand is so big. There's so much money and eyeballs. It, it wouldn't matter, right? But some of these other schools, right? If you're not in a big city, what sponsorships can you offer their kids, right? Or these students? If you're at USC, there's so many big businesses, entertainment, that you can be have endorsements, more sponsorships, right? You're right there by Hollywood. You might be in more commercials, Right, you're out west, you're real close to Oregon and Nike. So why won't you get more endorsements and more sponsorship by going to USC? I think that's going to be one of the big selling points. Come out west, and not just for the kids in state. Lincoln Riley is going to be going to Texas. He's going to be going to Florida, Georgia, Louisiana. He's going to be stealing those recruits. Don't think for one second that there's some LS five-star LSU recruit that might not be going to LSU because Lincoln Riley is at SC. And I know a lot of people that don't follow Pac-12 football, they're probably, oh, it sucks. Pac-12 football was one of the best conferences in national championships when Pete Carroll was at USC. It's simple. When USC is a machine, the Pac-12 is a machine. And we, we saw different teams trying to fight for dominance, right? The uh, UW, they made the playoffs the first year. Couldn't, couldn't hold uh, the dominance. Oregon, every year, they have a great recruiter now in Mario. But they cannot hold the undefeated dominant seasons. They're either missing a quarterback or missing some. SC is not going to be missing nothing. They're going to be loaded. They're going to have a quarterback. They're going to have an O-line. They're going to have a D-line. They're going to have skilled players. They're going to be loaded with talent. So I think it's exciting uh, for the Pac-12. Now, where does it hurt the Pac-12? Now, I think the Pac-12 is, you know, it's really four to five teams that that every conference needs, right? Like I mentioned before, Big 12, Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan State, right? You got to have those teams. For the Pac-12, it's SC's the lead dog, right? Then you have the Oregons, the U-Dubs, Utah, who has a top coach as well, and Stanford. All those schools will be humming. When when Shaw was with Andrew Luck, right? U-Dub, um, Sark was loaded with talent, right? So all these other conferences, all these other schools are going to get better. Now, where the schools will get hurt or not, I wouldn't say hurt, will lose top talent, the Arizona schools. And someone pointed out to me when, you know, the Pac-12 was humming, the Arizonas, the Colorados, Washington States, Oregon States, they took a step back because they, they don't get that that uh, second, second or third tier talent out west. So those schools might hurt a little bit, 
But the top four or five schools in the Pac-12, oh, yeah, they're going to be humming the talent. It's a exciting. Exciting day for West Coast football. Uh, you know, this is a West Coast 5-1 huddle pod. It's good to see kids staying out West now. That will happen. Top coach and more opportunities out here. So it's exciting to see. We're going to fill, fill those stadiums back up. Now let's move over to the 49ers, right? We talked talk enough about Lincoln Riley and the impact. And the 49ers, I was talking a lot about Kyle Shanahan on the last pod, right? They're 5-5. Five and five. Now they're 6-5. and five. And you're probably thinking, Isaiah, your tone should probably change. More confidence in this team. No, it's not changing. They're 6-5. and five. Good job. They're the sixth seed. Good job. And they have one win. I'll repeat that. One win. It gets a team with the winning record. Last year when the Steelers, I think, were 11-1, and one, they played one team with the winning record, and we're like, hey, the Steelers aren't that good. What happened? They lost the first round of playoffs against the Browns. And I'm going to say the same thing about the 49ers. It's not necessarily about their talent. Again, it's all back on Kyle. Right? The teams that he's lost to all have winning records. Right? He's beat the two, two people that he's owned. He's owned the Rams in his career, and he's on the Vikings in his career. And the Vikings, again, they have three players. Dalvin Cook, Thielen, Jefferson. Take those three players away. They're a two-three win team. Now you're probably thinking, Isaiah, you're being really hard on the 49ers. You're you're not giving enough credit. You know, this and, and the third. No, they have a talented team, have a top defense. Right? They have talent everywhere on offense. Debo, Ayuk, Trent Williams, Kittle. They have a, a formidable quarterback in Jimmy Garoppolo. I just feel like this team is underachieving because of Kyle Shanahan. You're six and five in the NFC. I'm gonna read y'all a shocking stat. If outside of the NFC West, there is not a single team in the NFC that has more than one team in their division with a winning record. NFC North, one team with a winning record. NFC East, one team with a winning record. NFC South, one team with the winning record, right? And then you have the NFC West that has three teams, Rams, Niners, Cardinals. So the NFC is a joke. The NFC is a joke. It's, I, I, compared it, I compared it to the NBA in the East, right? You got three to four teams up top. The rest are a joke, right? The, we always see the seventh, eighth seed in the East always have losing records. Well, this year, again, you're going to have – last year, there was a team 8-8 eight and eight and 7-9 and nine in the NFC playoffs. 8-8 eight and eight and 7-9. and nine. Those were the two teams in the playoffs last year for the NFC. This year, we're going to have it's probably the same thing. The Vikings are the seventh seed at 5-6. and six. Uh, The Niners are sixth seed, nice and comfortable at 6-5. and five. There's not another team in the NFC with even close enough talent to the 49ers, right? The only thing to me holding them back is Kyle Shanahan. But yeah, the only thing to me holding the 49ers back is Kyle Shanahan. You're like, oh, he's found his groove. He's done this and that. Let me see you beat some teams that you aren't supposed to beat. And again, you have a talented roster. Right now, some guys are out, right? We see Debo, Fred Warner, a few guys out this week playing the Seahawks. There's no way in, in hell you should lose against the Seahawks. And I know this. I know if Kyle Shanahan's team is loaded, right, not a single weakness on the team, I know they're going to win. That's what they did in 2019. They won. Now, if there's a anyone's hurt, nothing's going well, nothing's going perfect. Kyle usually doesn't win. The reason they're sitting at six and five instead of 
right, you know, eight and two, eight, you know, so eight and three. And so my, my thing with the 49ers going forward is I think they're a playoff lock. And it's no way with the amount of talent they have on that team, they're going to have a, a below average coach and still make the playoffs, especially in the NFC, especially in the NFC. And again, just for comparison, there's 12 teams in the AFC with a winning record. 12. There's six in the a- NFC. So 12 teams in the AFC have a winning record. So, I mean, <laughs> if you don't make the playoffs in the NFC, you should be fired. You, if you have a talented or above average roster and you don't make the playoffs NFC, you should be fired. Okay. So with that being said, to me, I'm just looking at the expectations of the Niners in the playoffs. Are they a one and done playoff team? Are they a, hey, we can win a playoff game? Right now, I'm looking at the teams that are in the playoffs. I believe the Niners could beat Dallas. Reason being, I don't believe in McCarthy and their defense isn't that strong. Now, the Bucks, the Cardinals, right? The Packers, I don't see them being those three teams. I can see them being the Rams. They own the Rams. Why, why wouldn't they beat the Rams? So, if they're playing the Cowboys or Rams, I can see them win the playoff game. But my whole question then comes to what's your plan with Trey Lance? So, the plan was to trade high draft. Dry, let, me get, let me take a step back. Trade a lot of draft capital for Trey Lance. Have him sit for a year, then trade. I guess they're planning on trading Jimmy Garoppolo for a first round pick in the offseason. And then it becomes a Trey Lance show. And with that free, freed up space, they can just build the team and and use that uh, low salary cap number that Trey Lance will have and have more talent. I believe that's their plan. How do they know what Trey Lance needs to work on? Right? He's not, again, I don't want to hear Patrick Mahomes, Josh out, none of that. Aaron Rodgers, he hasn't played a lot of football in his career, right? He's literally played 17 games his whole entire career at quarterback. College and pro, 17 games. 17 games, college and pro, right? And then he'll be going into next season going two and a half years with one game. Two and a half years with one game. So, again, this is... Kyle Shanahan, you get paid the big bucks. You're looked at it as by the media as one of the top coaches in the NFL. And so this is year five. So, hey, you're making the playoffs for the second time in year five. That's happening. A little luck along the way, but everyone needs luck. I'm not, everyone needs luck. But now the, the eyes go to Trey Lance. What is going on here? And again, I'm not, uh, you are what your record is. You're six and five. So you're actually winning now. Kyle still doesn't have a winning record as a head coach yet, but. They're going in the right direction. And I'm taking it game by game. Once the 49ers have locked the playoffs, I will give Kyle Shanahan his applause for making the playoffs in year five and officially having a winning record as an NFL coach through five years. I will, he will get his flowers on the 5-1-0 huddle. Now, will he, will he get his flowers with Trey Lance, for the development of Trey Lance, for turning the 49ers into what Jim Harbaugh did? making him a, co- a competitor year in, year out, that's what I'm waiting to see. That's why Kyle Shannon was brought here, to make the 49ers a competitor, consistent playoff team year in, year out. Sim- the Rams make the playoffs year in, year out. Right? Seahawks have done it for a decade. All right? That's that's the plan with Kyle Shanahan. So once that happens, Sh- Kyle Shanahan will get his flowers. Kyle Shanahan might make me like an idiot when if he's riling off three, four years, Trey Lance is a superstar. But until that happens... He's not getting his flowers. 
So that's my piece on the 49ers. I guess the positive direction, they are 6-5. and five. They beat the Rams. Again, they have a winning record. The Vikings were 5-5, five and five, so um, that's really good. Now to play the Seahawks. Russell Wilson's 15-4 and four in his career against the 49ers. By no means should they lose to, 40, uh, to the Seahawks. If the 49ers lose to the Seahawks, if you're a 49er fan, do not turn into this podcast next week. I, I will be going in. I will be going in. Let's move to the Raiders, another 6-5 and five team uh, without a coach, right, going through turmoil right now as far as an organization. Uh, we don't know if the GM, they don't know if the GM is going to be back. They don't know, you know, what's going on with this coaching search. And this report came out that Mark Davis has not started his coaching search yet, and he's focused on the playoffs. And I first took a step back, and I was just thinking, one, why would you – delay the coaching search at all right we should be out in front of it we should be one of the first leading teams all these coaching rumors should be coming you know directed at the Raiders and coaches and such forth but then I realized a franchise that has made the playoffs one time in 17 years six and five uh I believe they're two two seeds they're the eighth seed eighth or ninth seed right now in the playoff picture so I need to keep winning and I can see why the whole focus of the playoffs I was really upset, not upset, but just thinking, how can you not be interviewing or, or calling or making calls, seeing who's available for coaches? But I believe the Raiders would be a more appealing job if they make, let's say they make the playoffs barely, right? It shows you that, hey, Derek Carr, if Derek Carr makes the playoffs, that would be the greatest accomplishment of his career. With losing your coach, losing your star receiver, Losing another first-round draft pick just being released, Damon Arnett. Um, uh, O-line that's been struggling and, and trying to get it together, young O-line. If Derek Carr makes the playoffs, it'll be the greatest thing he's done uh, as a quarterback in his career. And so I think Mark Davis, is he wants to see what he has in his team. What is his team? And so when you're recruiting, when you're trying to pitch top coaches, the Kellen Moores, the Eric Behenemies, the Doug Petersons, right? these are the coaches that would be um, – Get an interview with the Brian Leftwiches, right? This offseason. Gotta make it appealing. You're in Vegas. This is a French playoff team or a playoff team. We have a quarterback. All we need is a legit coach and GM to come in. And next year the Raiders could be a playoff team. So I'm not I w I'm not gonna overreact to him not interviewing coaches. But I will say this. If the Raiders at a point this season is just over with, we're not making the playoffs, the Raiders aren't going. You know, won't be in playing in February, January. The coaching starts beginning immediately. Uh, I saw a little video, I guess, Kellen Moore and Derek Carr had a very long conversation at the end of the Cowboy game. Uh, and it was funny, I, I think I, I was going in on the Raiders, thinking they'll get blown out by the Cowboys. A pleasant surprise. Thanksgiving food tasted a little better. But it was surprising to see Derek Carr not, I guess, Give up is the word. We've seen them do that a lot. But I'm not walking into the trap. They played a Washington football team this week as a losing record. Not surprised that they lose that game. They're playing Jack Del Rio. Now the Raiders are pretty healthy right now, so they'll have a shot. But, again, the Washington football team has a good front seven, really good D tackle in, uh, in Allen. So I think the, the Raiders will be tested, but it's a game they should win. If Derek Carr plays how he's supposed to play, the defense plays how they're supposed to play they should win but i'm not gonna 
Not it's one week at a time. Just like the 49ers and Kyle Shanahan, one week at the time. I think that's the the theme of this this podcast. Week by week, we're judging Kyle. Week by week, we're judging Derek Carr. Because we're getting told that Derek Carr is a you know good quarterback. We're getting told that Kyle Shanahan is a good coach. But for some reason, we don't get consistent data on it, right? Good coaches win consistently. Good quarterbacks win consistently. So we're both we're always looking for consistent data. So that's how I think we're taking it week by week. And on this podcast, we're focused on Derek Carr and Kyle Shanahan, right? They have the most power under the most pressure. Let's see what they do. And I think that's the theme we're going here in a week by week. Now, Derek Carr, I think that was his best performance of the year, right? DJ got going, Renfro, no Darren Waller, and he was still attacking. Let's just see if we can do it on a consistent basis. My last piece on Derek Carr before I jump to uh, Russ and Pete Someone made an interesting point about pressure and blitz that sometimes Carr looks scared or rattled when he's getting hit a lot. If you know where to go with the ball, right? And someone pointed this out, the games where Derek Carr is running around, he, I think because he knows where the pressure is coming from, he knows where the blitz is coming from. He knows who's who's going to be open. But the moment you don't know where to go with the ball, or you don't know where the blitz is coming from or what coverage someone's in, that's when you start to get frantic. You don't know what to do with the ball, right? Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, the best that they've been doing this for 15, 20, I mean, Aaron Rodgers, 15 years, Tom Brady, my whole life, right? They know where to go with the ball, right? Quarterbacks that, if someone pointed out to Josh Allen, was frantic in the pot, pocket constantly his first, second year. So my thinking was with Derek Carr is the moment that he doesn't know where to go with the ball, I think it's the moment that he fails as a quarterback. He doesn't know how to ad-lib. I think it's simple as that. Derek Carr does not know how to ad-lib. That's it. Right? So, hey, what's the problem with Derek Carr? I just don't think he knows how to ad-lib. Right? And he knows how to ad-lib, I think, a little better than the Kirk Cousins or the Jimmy G's. Right? And he's a, he's in that tier, just the leader of that tier. Right? So, I think the as Derek Carr gets older, right, 31-32, the Memorial City's defenses, I think you'll see more consistent Derek Carr. Now, you're not going to see a top 10, top 8 Derek Carr, but I think you'll see what he's supposed to be, a, a 10 to 13 quarterback. And if you have a roster, you make the playoffs, you have a loaded roster you sh- with a good coach, you should have a shot at the Super Bowl or deep playoff run. So that's my last pieces on Carr and the Raiders. But, yeah, Mark Davis, no problem with him not starting a coaching search yet. But in the moment the Raiders are officially out the playoffs, Needs to happen immediately, and the rumor mill should begin. Now, this is rumors that were started off last offseason with Russell Wilson wanting to be traded. His agent listed the teams he wanted to go to. Now, this season, right, started off hot, right? I think they opened up 3 0. Then Russ broke his finger, right? And I think a lot of people were like, hey, as soon as Russ gets back, the NFC is not real competitive. We can make a run. Not happening. Russ. Now it could be rust, <laughs> rusty from the finger, the rehab, maybe rusted back too soon. But Russ doesn't look the same. I've never seen Russ play this level of football. It's not like he's missing his top targets, right? He's missing Ben Carson, but he still has DK and Lockett. So the question that led me to believe is Russ checked out or is Pete Carroll know the end is here? Something's wrong in that locker room and with that team. 
So as an organization, who, who are you parting ways with? 70-year-old Pete Carroll or in their prime Russell Wilson? That's the decision that organization has to make. Now, if I'm taking a step back, I, I think it might be Pete, Pete Carroll's time to go. I think it's easier to find a coach, a high-level coach, than it is to find another franchise quarterback. Not just a franchise quarterback, a walking Hall of Famer, because that's where Russell Wilson is, a walking Hall of Famer. So the Seahawks have a tough choice to make this offseason. They're not making the playoffs. If, I think even if they went they out, they'll have, well, let me see, they went eight or nine games, they went out. I'll, I mean, that could make the playoffs in the NFC. I, I think it's going to take at least nine to ten. Right, or they could sneak in on that, be that eight and eight, eight and nine team in the seventh seed. But it's over, I, and I, th- I just think you've seen the way the teams draft. Their defense is horrible. That Jamal Adams pick is just—I mean, when the trade happened, it was like that—that that was a lot to give up. But he's not an impact player. I mean, you got to think about it. Russ has only been on one—I mean, not Russ. Jamal Adams has only been on one winning team in his career, and I've never seen a player celebrate more. On losing teams. Now, he's made a lot of money. So, I mean, you got to have fun, right? You make that much money, you can't be down every game. But Jamal Adams isn't a winning player. All right, if I was a, it could be the two orgs he's with, but his impact hasn't been two first rounds. So, they don't have a first round pick, which would be a top five pick. And look, face it, they need a defense. Kyle Hamilton, one of the top safety prospects to come out in a long time. You can't tell me Kyle Hamilton would be an immediate upgrade over Jamal Adams, but they don't have that pick. Yes, do. Shout out uh, Joe Douglas for that trade. So I think it's, you know, get back to the point of of Pete Carroll in, in that roster. It's not a winning roster on defense. They've missed on a lot of picks. And it's okay to miss on picks. When you're always picking in the 20s, it's hard to hit, right? But you need to hit on these late round picks too. They haven't hit on a running back. Ben Carson's always hurt. They haven't hit on a tight end, right? They've hit on DK, Lockett. Who, what player have they hit on that's not from the old regime or the beginning success of the Seahawks, right? They, they've missed on corners left, I mean, left and right. Now, they've hit on free agent acquisitions or trades. Like, they missed on Jamal Adams, but they hit on Diggs. Diggs is a, definitely a top eight safety in, this NFL, in the NFL, and so I'm starting to see that, to me, the Vikings are built, sorry, the, the Seahawks are built very similar to the Vikings, very similar. And you should look at their roster. The only difference is they have Russell Wilson. And he, as, when he's playing top five, like year in, year out, they can overcome everything else. Something you see Kirk Cousins can't overcome everything else. Russell Wilson can, right? It's just like the Seahawks. They have two, two, two wideouts. They got a quarterback. They got a running back when healthy, Ben Carson. And on defense, they got a safety. Just like on defense, the Vikings got Harrison Smith. And that and that's that's your squad. Oh, yeah, you have Wagner at linebacker, no disrespect. And the Vikings have Kendricks. Very similar team, right? He's got a safety, couple wideouts. The D-line, O-line's average. So when you're average on the line scrimmage, you have no corners and just two wideouts and a defensive coach. That's what Pete Carroll is, a defensive coach. That's what Mike Zimmer are, defensive coach. You're not going to win consistently. And the moment Russell Wilson stopped playing like a top five quarterback, this was, this was the roster, this is the team you see. So I think, I don't think Russell 
will demand a trade if they just let Pete Carroll go after the season. Hey, Russ, come help us pick our next coach, whether it be a Kellen Moore, Eric Behenemy, Doug Peterson, and let's rebuild, right? Let's find a way to get out of Jamal Adams' contract, right? Maybe I have to eat some dead money, right? Let's let's start the rebuild of the, C- the Seahawks in a second phase for you, Russ. It's hard to do, though. So, Russ, on the other hand, Seahawks might be, you know, not be able to move off Pete Carroll because Russ might be gone. And it might, that might be the best. Hey, if Russ, you know what, I will not play another down for Seattle. I don't care if it's Bill Belichick, Andy Reid as my head coach. Then you just blow it all up. Pete's gone. Russ gone. You, you start uh, putting guys up for trade. And you rebuild. Now, the tough part is there's no young quarterbacks in this draft. So it might just be a complete ugly disaster. And we see rebuilds don't always work. The Jets and Giants have been rebuilding year over year. Jacksonville's been rebuilding year over year. The Raiders have been in like a half-ass rebuild and no results, right? So rebuilds don't always work. Look at the Broncos, right? But also the other side of no rebuild, you stay in that average. Washington football, the Broncos. I mean, some of the Raiders, right? You just win seven to nine games every year. It'll be interesting to see what ownership John Snyder, they do this offseason with Russell and Pete Carroll because it's over. And Russ being one of my favorite players to ever watch and continue to watch, I'll be really excited to see him, you know, maybe the first time in his career have an offensive coach and see what that system looks like. That'll be fun to see. The last piece I'll end off here, and this season's been different. No team has just dominated, you know, week in and week out. So the question is, who's the best team in the NFL? And when looking, you know, the eye test, who you've beaten, who your coach is, who your players are, who's your quarterback, that's what I took in consideration of who the best team in the NFL is. And to me, it's clear cut. It's the Packers. And this really might be, I mean, a movie in the making with Aaron Rodgers in his last year, supposedly with Green Bay. If they've done a Super Bowl, I don't know how it could be their last year, but their last year at Green Bay. They've beaten teams with winning records. They've beaten teams with winning records uh, week in, week out. They have a defense who's playing top eight, top seven. Their O-line is playing well. Aaron Rodgers is playing out of his mind. Looks like the MVP again. And now take a look around the league, right? The Bucks to me, look really good. But something's weird, right? They've, they've battled injuries all year. I believe this Packers team who lost a really close game to the Bucs last year in the NFC Championship is better. I believe this Packers team is better than last year's team. So I think the Packers are clear-cut. I believe the Bucs are right there at, at, in second. Tom Brady, they've won it. They they don't have you know weakness uh, on their team when they're healthy. Uh, close-knit group, close coaching staff. So to me, they're the second-best team right now. Then to me, this is where it gets tough. Who's the third-best team? Right now, I want to say Cardinals, right? I want to say Ravens. I want to say Chiefs. Those are the three teams that are to me all battling for that third, third best team. If I look at the Cardinals, they have a coach, Cliff. This is his first winning season ever in his coaching career, college and pro. I need to see him do it before he actually does it, right? I'm not a firm believer of his offense in January. 
I need to see how you have to remember. You got to see how this offense works in the playoffs. Running the ball on defense travels well. Running the ball on defense travels well. So I need to see it. Then I look at the Chiefs, right? Andy, Pat, defense is starting to hum up. They're playing football, good football at the right moment. But I have still question marks about that defense. When I say best team in the NFL, that means they go any any place, anywhere they're going to win. Right? And then we have Bills. We have Ravens. Ravens 8-3. and three. Just think they need a little more on, on the outside. So I'm going to go with Chiefs. Right? I believe that Chiefs, at the end of the day, if you just said who are the best three quarterbacks in the NFL, Pat Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, that would be the argument. Those are your three best teams. Packers leading the way. Bucks second. Patrick Mahomes and Chiefs third. And I think you're going to have a similar result to last year. Don't be surprised if the same teams are in the AFC NFC Championship. Don't be surprised because the cream always rises to the top. Best coaches, best quarterbacks mixed in with that have the best talent around them. Simple. Simple philosophy. Get your top five coach, get your top five quarterback, and you'll win. So that's all I have today. I hope you all enjoyed the, the pod. Just, just me, again, D-Lane, preparing his team for a bowl game this Friday at Laney, playing Sierra College. Check it out if you got some free time. But that's all we got this week. Thank you for tuning in. Play for keeps, Cuddy. You ain't heard about the huddle fire. We know with D Lane, we tryna get it off the muscle. Walters caught the pick and ran it back without a tussle. Blow the whistle, coach. Time to get back to the huddle. 